Alright guys, welcome to a brand new podcast. Uh, For what it's worth is a podcast out of Franklin, Texas, and our goal is to weave the truth of the gospel into all conversations, whether that's money, sports, politics, we talk about it all. And so I'm your host, David Oglesby, student pastor here at First Franklin in Franklin, Texas. Now I'm Bronson Stewart, senior pastor at First Baptist Franklin as well. And so uh, the goal of this is to um, just communicate with just like worldly events um, and try to weave the gospel into those conversations. And so today we're going to be talking about something big. If you're from Texas and you're a Texans That's fan, right. um, we're going to be talking about where should the Texans go from here. And so this is a great topic. And before I start asking questions, uh, I just think this brings, as a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, this brings so much. Uh, I just, I just see what happened in 2017. And I think it's slowly starting to happen in Houston um, I hope it's not, but I, I see it as 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 we saw our young um, star Jalen Ramsey just kind of go off the map, and slowly but surely that 2017 roster, that defense, um, nobody that was on that defense is there, and uh, everything just slowly fell apart. And uh, I hope that's not the case here for for uh, for the Texans. But um, where do they go from here? And and we might as well start with their new hiring of of David Coley. Um, Bronson, how do you feel about the the head coaching hire of David Coley? I mean, first off, understand uh, my background is important here. My dad played for the Houston Oilers. Okay, so I've loved Houston football my whole life. To see the Titans, Bud Adams, the Snake, leave town 97, then to watch the Titans go to the Super Bowl in 2000 while we, Houston sports, suffered with no sports team, the Texans come – just all that is the the David Carr era and and all that nightmare that we went through. And to finally get to a place where we are excited. And football is in my blood. I played college football. I've been around Texans practices. Some good friends have played for the Texans. So I'm all in. But that doesn't mean that Texan ownership is all in. And the David Culley hire is shocking. Where do they go from here? Well, I don't know where they go from here. I think the problem is the first thing you got to do is you got to sit down and talk to Deshaun Watson. Mm. However, why didn't you already sit down and talk to Deshaun Watson? He's the franchise quarterback. It's not that you have to appease him, but what communication, you you communicate with your wife, you communicate in your business. Why wouldn't you sit down with him and say, hey, here's where we're thinking about going. Here's where we're going to include you. Here's not where we're going to include you. And we're going to build a, a, a championship team around you. How, how hard was that conversation to say, hey, look, you're the centerpiece, every hire, Every transaction is going to be with the goal of building a Super Bowl championship team around you. Even if you can't do those things, how hard is that of a conversation to have? And so where do they go from here? Uh, it's a, certainly a huge question, and it's one that you kind of just got to pick apart, I think, piece by piece. Right. And starting with that, like David Coley, like, is he the man for the job? Can he get it done? Was it the right hire? Like, all, all these questions come around, and and we see, like, like – Deshaun still wants out, and and we see that nothing has been said to him. Nothing's trying to be done. You know, um, many still think he's going to be a Texan um, come next season, but there are many who think he's not. And so, like, was this the right hire? Could they have hired somebody else um, in that process? You know, do they think they just kind of? Do you think they just kind of went out on a whim and grabbed a guy? Here's what I wonder: 
David Culley, 65 years old, 78, Austin P. running backs coach. Very next year, Vanderbilt wide receivers coach. Two years later, Middle Tennessee State. Next year, Chattanooga. Next year, Southwest Louisiana. Two years later, he's at UTEP. Two years later, he's at A&M. He spends one year with the Bucks. two years with the Steelers, two years, nine years with the Eagles, okay? I, I'll give him that. One year as a senior offensive assistant, three years with the Chiefs, one year with the Bills, one year with the Ravens. I mean, listen, if people wanted this guy, uh, he would be somewhere. He would have been a head coach by now. He's 65. That's a great point. The other thing I don't understand is that if you are Nick Casario and you are building a championship team, you already have a 72-year-old coach in Romeo Cornell. Like, if you're just trying to bridge the gap like the Astros are doing with Dusty Baker, it's a mess. We're just trying to bridge the gap. I get Then leave Cornell if you're just trying to build – a player's coach. But how do you tell me, hey, we're going to be successful for the next 10 years? He's going to be 75 at that point. So if you say, hey, we're building a long-term contender, then why do you build a coach that's that's on the way out? Mm. So he may be a great guy. Never met him. Don't know anybody who knows him. He may be a fantastic guy. But it just seems like a really strange hire to make. And then to see Lovey Smith, that was supposed to be a big splash, keep Tim Kelly but who else was trying to hire these guys? No one. They picked up Lovey Smith at the bargain basement. I mean, he was drinking coffee at McDonald's four hours a day. This is crazy that the staff that they're assembling, it just seems like they're assembling a bunch of guys who are old school, by the book, players, coaches, and maybe all in an effort to appease Deshaun or JJ. You know, I don't, I don't really know. I hope David Culley's successful because I want the Texans to be successful. Right. I don't. I don't want to have to go all in on on the Chiefs or who, whoever. I look. You know. You know me. I get up every morning and look at the standings. Whoever's in first place, that's my new that's favorite team. Yes. Yes. He's a big Alabama fan and a big Clemson roll, fan. Roll Tigers. <laughs> yes, he loves it. Um. So if you're a GM in this position, you know what was a name or as a fan, what name would you have wanted to see other than David Coley? Well, w- what's hard to say is obviously Eric Bieniemy was the guy everybody wanted, but there were seven other NFL head coaching vacancies. Why did no one else hire Bieniemy? It's a mm-hmm. question worth asking. Okay, he was a huge hot coordinator last year. Why did no one hire him last year? Maybe he's just an awful interviewer, or maybe people look at it and say, "Hey, Patrick Mahomes is really, really good, and Andy Reid is an offensive genius," mm-hmm. and maybe they look at Bieniemy and say you know, the credit that he gets there is not all there. Right. So it's hard to say. I think the NFL coaching is the hardest thing. It's a, it's a retread. There's, there's very few guys. I think about it, you know, Pete Carroll was going to be the next great thing. Well, Seahawks up, they're kind of back down. Then you had Sean McVay. He was going to be a genius. Shanahan was going to be a genius. The Harbaugh's were going to, all those guys with the exception of a Belichick, everyone else has peaked and fallen back down. Maybe with the exception of Tomlin in Pittsburgh. He's been consistent. Right. Yep. But great coaches. I mean, they teams have huge success. The Giants win multiple Super Bowls in a span and don't even like their coach or their quarterback. Mm. So maintaining consistency in the NFL is really, really hard. The NFL structured against it. You have to play a harder schedule if you win. You have to play the other division champs. It's not a balanced schedule. And so when you look at all those things, uh, you know, I don't I don't know. It seems to me, though, my one thing is that if you hire Eric Bieniemy and he doesn't pan out, it's kind of like, what was the risk? 
because he was everybody's guy. And you're able to turn around and say, hey, look, we hired the best of the best. We hired the guy everybody wanted. We're all disappointed it didn't pan out. Yeah. It's kind of like what I was talking to my brother earlier, and uh, we're talking about first-round pick, and I'm just like, hey, we could trade back. We are. We could draft the best guy available that's not Trevor Lawrence um, and draft the quarterback in the later rounds. And he's like, here's the thing, though. You draft Trevor Lawrence at number one. Everybody expects him to be great, and if he's not great, it's not on us. Right. You know, and it's the same thing with a head coaching hire, you know. Well, and and the problem with then going the route of Dave Cully is it's, Hey, so if he does, if he pans out, you look like a genius. But if anything else happens, it looks like you complicated something that wasn't that complicated. Mm-hmm. And you do see that the draft pick example is the, is a great example to say, hey, when when the Rockets when they drafted Yao Ming, I don't know, he's not the best in that class, but right. it was the safe bet. I mean, right. the Rockets took Elijah one. Hey, well Jordan was in that class, but Elijah one wasn't a bad pick. They, right. they didn't mess it up. Right. So. At the end of the day, when the Texans drafted Derek Carr way back, well, it was still a good pick. You know, there were other people in that class, but I'm with you. It's, you know, sometimes we second. That's right. Sometimes we we make this harder than it has to be. Yes, yes. Um, So let's shift a little bit, and let's talk about Deshaun Watson. He had a guy Mm. he wanted to bring in. They didn't bring him in, and that's kind of where this whole fiasco started. Of I'm unhappy here, I want out, um, and all these things. And so – what if we want to talk about Deshaun Watson, like trade or keep? Well, I think you have to answer that question from as a sports fan, keep. Right. Okay. As a business decision, Nick Casario comes from the Patriots. What are the Patriots known for? Draft picks. Currently, the Texans, thanks to Bill O'Brien, have none of those. Mm. Uh, he's just giving things away like your kid runs a lemonade stand. I mean, it's like. Hey, you get a pick. You can have a pick. You can have one of our players. He's just giving it away. So the Texans need picks and they need cap space. They don't have either of those. Moving to Sean Watson for a King's ransom opens up all of those things. And so that's the reason it's intriguing. The one question I would ask is, outside of Deshaun Watson, second best player on the Texans roster is? JJ Watt. JJ Watt. Is he at the peak of his career or on the backside of his career? I would say backside. Backside. So – Kind of like, who are the Texans building around? I mean, you know, if you had Deshaun and a bunch of young dudes and you're like, hey, we can keep this thing together. We got a shot. But you need a lot of help and you need it now. And so you need draft picks. You need capital. You need space. You need options. You need all of those things to to take place. Mm -hmm. And I, I just feel like at this point, you have to do it all. Now, that's different than what I think will happen. But. As the general manager, I think you got to convert as much money, as much space, right. and as much future potential down the road out of this situation as you can. And I think it kind of go back a few years when y'all went through this with Jadavion Clowney. You know, dude wanted a lot of money. Y'all didn't want to pay him. Um, and it was kind of the same thing. You know, like I, I don't think, in my honest opinion, uh, Clowney panned out like everyone thought he was going to. Um, I don't think uh, he was the number one pick that everybody thought he was going to be. Um, you know, a matter of fact, I, I hear a lot of people say that Miles Garrett is is sure. uh, is what Deshaun is what um, Jadavion was supposed to be, right? And so, y'all went through this a few years ago, and to see it come up again in Deshaun, um, it kind of stinks, you know. Um, but you're right; like you look at the defense of the ball, who are you building around? You know, the linebackers. I mean, that's where you have hope. Yeah. So the the thing that stinks is that 
JJ should be at a place in his career where um, maybe like a Dwight Freeney back in the day. Hey, he's going in. He's rushing the passer on third down. Bruce Smith, Reggie White, both of those guys. Uh, Michael Strahan, when he was on the backside, man, you think he breaks the sack record. He's he's just rushing on third down. The Texans can't get anybody in third and long. This is a problem. And so J.J. would be a great guy to keep around to fulfill that role. He's a premium pass rusher, but you don't have anybody that can stop the run. You don't have anybody that can stop the pass. And so teams are never trailing. You don't have a receiving core that can score points. So you've got, you know, you've got two great guys. The offensive line has been fine, but you're last in the league in rushing. It's just a nightmare scenario when you're just saying, hey, where do we build from? Right. And so I, I think – I think you have to go now. Where do you go? What do you do? Those are big questions. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to win championships in the NFL when you don't have a defense. And uh, but I do think the Texans. I, I've I've told you a few times that I, I thought the Texans were uh, offensive line away from being a, you know a, a competitor. Um, you know I probably wrong in that in that aspect. You know, but you start losing pieces on the on the offensive side of the ball. You you lose uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who is arguably the best receiver in the league. Right, he can make a case that he's the number one receiver in the league, um, and uh, when you lose a guy like that, and uh, you you your your next guy up, what Will Fuller? He can't stay healthy, right? And so where are the weapons at? You know, and he Deshaun doesn't have any weapons. He doesn't have an offensive line that can protect him, um, and so I think all this is just built up frustration. Like you take away the best receiver in the game, you you can't give me offensive line that. That, that can protect me. I'm on the ground half the game. Like, um, I'm just frustrated. I'm ready to be out. And so, you know, as a fan, you want to keep him. Um, as a GM, you're thinking about, okay, how can you flip him for picks? How can you flip him for money? Um, and there are a lot of teams on the table. There are some trade des- destinations, right? You got Chicago. You got Miami. Uh, let's hash that out real quick. Like, what? where do you think are some good trade destinations uh, for, for Deshaun Watson? Well, I think anywhere you can trade him that gets you a quarterback back, you have to consider. Whether that's Oakland, Derek Carr, that name's been mentioned. Miami, Tua, that name's been mentioned. You got to get an asset back maybe that you can already plug in. You got to have somebody that's got a lot of picks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Miami's got a ton. Jets have a ton. Problem there, though, is if you trade to someone, the Jets are an example. That name's been mentioned a ton. But if you go the Jets, you're not getting Darnold back. So – you then have to take one of those picks and you got to go get a quarterback and then you got to start back over with a rookie quarterback. And if you think you're close, how do you, how do you sell going all the way back to drafting? And then what if you draft wrong? So you, you go to the Patriots um, and you trade with them. They take Deshaun, you draft Justin Fields. Well, I, how do you know? I don't know that Justin Fields is going to pan out. I mean, it's so anywhere you can go. I, and I think, Knowing that, obviously, the relationship there with the Patriots is a possibility. They're drafting at 15. That that gets you a spot. They they stockpile picks. Could you could you take some players? Maybe the Dolphins seem like the most obvious situation. So I would say that then doesn't happen. I think the I think the Dolphins like where they're at. I, I think did, they yeah. like who they're building around. I think they'd like to. And now you're an Alabama fan. You watch these conversations. This chatter is making Tua so mad. Oh, he, yeah, he's frustrated. You so know. that's a Tua I want on my team next year. Right. So me, I want it. Hey, here's one, the Cowboys. Mm, well, well, here's the question I asked, though. I think, in my opinion, 
when you look at Deshaun Watson and you look at uh, what's his face? I don't even remember his name. He didn't even play all year. Quarterback for Dak. When you look at Dak, it's the same quarterback. Yeah. So you're just flopping quarterbacks, and well, I'm thinking of the the Cowboys side. You're flipping quarterbacks, and you're losing a pick. But Dallas has become disenfranchised with Dak. The fan base doesn't like him anymore. On and on and on. Dallas has a ton of issues. Do they flip Zeke? You know, I, I don't know. I'll tell you, the Derek Carr situation seems unique. I remember when Derek Carr was an option for the Texans to draft. And talk about no-win situation. He he would have been a p- great potential, and he would have been a great fit. Yes. But anytime your brother's been there and everything right. that went through with David Carr, it was kind of like a no-win situation for the Texans. They couldn't draft him, right. and then it'd be a bust. Right. Uh, so you're kind of in a no-win situation. But if he were to somehow find his way back, that's a veteran you're already plugging in. You have a veteran wide receiver core. You have a great offensive line. You then take a couple picks, and you make some defensive upgrades. And, yeah, then then you're back. I mean, now the window's not as, not as big, but right. this is going to surprise you. Uh, my brother-in-law completely disagrees with me on this, but I'm not always a huge Deshaun fan mm. from the skill set of quarterback. I think he is a great player. He rises the occasion. He makes things better. But there are times that I watch him as, as a football guy to watch him take off, to watch him scramble. Just yes, he makes some amazing plays, but right. he makes some really easy plays way harder. That that you know maybe if you get a, a, like a more instead of staying in the pocket, instead of just know, staying, just climbing the pocket, delivering the ball. So you know, I I I think I think that one of those. I think that's where you'd move him to. You got to have a ton of picks. So Stafford just went. You got to have four picks, and you got to get a player who can contribute back. Right? Is anybody willing to do that? Well, typically, it's teams like that have bad ownership. So I got to think it's the Jets. I, but I think, I think a lot of teams are viewing Deshaun as you just described. You know, like they're starting to think, okay, well, there's a high price on his head, right? Two first round draft picks, three first round draft picks. Two, you know, my if you're Miami, you're probably giving up the third and eighteenth plus Tua, and then you're giving up some future from future draft picks, probably in the first or second round, maybe the third. And so you're giving up a lot for him. Um, and what's I, interesting, if you do that, if the Dolphins do that, then they just put themselves in the situation the Texans are trying to get That's out of. My point exactly, and so like. You know, and then maybe with the Raiders too. The Raiders maybe a little bit in a better position. You know, you flip, you 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 trade da- uh, David Carr or Derek Carr, um, a first round, two first round picks. You know, they got some picks. You know, they got some picks from the Khalil Mack trade, and um, and so we know that that uh, uh, they could do that. Um, the Jets are a likely position. You know, like I don't know why they wouldn't add Darnold to that. To that, maybe because he's, he's trash. Not, he's <laughs> he's not, trash. Yeah, you know, but but like you said, you got to have somebody, you know, and Darnold could come in and 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 could be a, a replacement for a year or so, and that way you don't have to replace, you know, use that pick that you just got this that second overall pick that you just got on a quarterback. You know, you could use it on an offensive lineman. You know, you could use it on uh, on Devonte Smith. You know, someone like that. Um, but let's go through some of these scenarios real quick. All right, say Miami. It says we're doing this. Texans get the, the Texans get Tua, third overall, 18th overall, and then you get future round draft picks. What 
What do you do in this draft with the third and 18th overall pick? And you just got two as your quarterback. What do you go? You got to go defense. And that's not what anybody wants to do. You, you, in the AFC South, everybody scores. Was the Colts. Now it's the Titans. Jaguars are going to take Urban Meyer and, and a quarterback. They're going to be offensive. Right now, the Texans can't stop nobody. They can't stop the run. They can't defend the pass. They're using third and fourth string cornerbacks because they're depleted at depth. They let their secondary get old. They need corner help. They need nose tackle help. They need major run-stopping D-line help. The linebackers are good, but they've got they've got to get help on defense. And so everybody would want them to take Devontae, my guy, right. Slim Reaper. But that, that doesn't help you. So – you know, the the offensive line played great, unsurprisingly. They can't get any running backs to, to run the ball. David Johnson was a, was a very questionable was, I, situation. And you know, like, so from an offensive standpoint anyways, they're not running the ball. The NFL's not a, not running it anyways. Just, you're slinging it out on the edge, right. and you got to get backs that can do that. So I think you got to sure up the defense. You, you're, you're hiring maybe an offensive guy, although his, his offensive – Skills are in question. I mean, he's offensive coordinator. He was the pass game coordinator for the Ravens, who finished last in the league in passing because they run the ball. So it's, it's questionable there of what you think you're going to get out of the offense. Tim Kelly makes uh, makes the offense look like calculus and and really really difficult. So I I don't know, but I think you got to draft defense no matter what you do. You draft like a, like um with Micah Pearson, the linebacker out of Penn State. He's an outside linebacker. Yeah, or uh, Patrick Sertain. Uh, yes. You know, I love DBs out of Bama. You know, they know how to play. Can you go third um, overall with that. You you could go third overall with him. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you've got the linebacker from Tulsa, Zaven Collins. Yep. I think is his name. Uh, you know, he set out the bowl game. He was injured, but he's a he's a fantastic he's a fantastic right. guy. There's a ton of DBs out there. It's a DB heavy draft. It's also a quarterback heavy draft. Yes, it is. There's not that stud, you know, edge pass rusher uh, anymore. There's a there's a few guys. There's a guy out of Georgia, big edge pass rusher, or a few linebackers here and there, but. You know, I think ultimately they're they're young. Most of those guys declaring are young. Mm -hmm. And so you, there's a lot of good corners. I would go corner, maybe come back with a wide receiver. Remember, wide receivers always fall. They, they never get drafted as high as people right. think they're get drafted. I think and, there's an exception this year. I think I think top ten you get you see Devontae uh, go off. Um and uh I, I, I think you see that wide receiver out of LSU, he opted out this year. Um I think they go top ten. But like so third overall, you go cornerback, right? Then you get to the 18th, and I think the perfect pick, if he's here, which I think he might be here, um, he played really well in the playoffs, and if you watch Alabama football, um, you might know I'm talking about. But you take like a Christian Barmore, mm. the defensive tackle. Um, I think he played himself into a first-round pick in the playoffs. Um, he was dominant in the, in the national championship. Um, he really came into his own. Um, great pass rusher, big dude. I think he's like 6'5", 310, 320, something like that. Um, big guy, light feet. And uh, I think I think he becomes or has the potential to become, not that anyone could come close to a J.J. Watt, but like you get him in there, now you have a mentor in J.J. who, who was pouring into this guy, right? And he was showing him the ways. And uh, I think he could become a great cornerstone for – the defense. Yeah, and and that's the, I think you go secondary help. Good corners are hard to find. I think uh, then you go some sort of 
D-tackle, edge rusher, again, big old heavy D-tackle. He's there in the second round probably, uh, although Barmore is a, a great option. There's a ton of redshirt sophomore edge rushers and juniors from from a, a lot of different schools. Those are great options as well. But at the end of the day, you got to come away from the draft saying, hey, next year we can stop the run and uh, we can defend the pass. Now, the only problem with Lovey Smith is everybody knows his defense. <laughs> So it may, it may not it may not work anyways, but I think it's what you got to do in the draft. All right, so let's let's circle back to JJ. All right, where what do you do with JJ? Like, what do you do about JJ? Like, he you, you kind of hear some mumble he wants out, um, but he's been a Texan his whole career. Like, it's just it's a hard topic. So where do you go as as a GM, or you know, tell me how you feel as a fan, and then go into the GM phase. Well, great teams and great franchises always do a great job of taking their great players and bringing them to the ends of their careers. Mm. Now, it doesn't always mean Brady not finishing as a Patriot, but he's a he's a freak. I mean, he's right. playing at four. He's playing at, he's, what is he, 65 and a half years old. I mean, he's <laughs> yeah. older than David Culley. So he's, and he's going to keep playing. Right. And the Patriots were ready to move to a spot of rebuilding. Okay, those kind of things. But the great teams figure out a way to at least – send their guys out if they're going to go for a final year like a Brett Favre or Joe Montana on good terms. And I think it speaks volumes as the chaos that Cal McNair has put the Texans in that this could potentially happen. J.J. Watt, what he meant to the city of Houston after the hurricane. Mm -hmm. He's the face of the franchise. He's a Walter Payton Man of the Year award winner. He's maybe the fastest to 200 sacks, I think, something like that. I mean, he is he's amazing. And what he has meant for the team and the city – Again, you got to go to him. You got to sit down. Maybe you got to say, "Hey, we got to restructure some things." You owe him no money if you cut him. I mean, right. it's you know, it's a it's a unique situation. But if I was going to rebuild, I know he's not interested in being part of a rebuild. But if you feel like you're close, you couldn't have a better guy on the team. Right. The problem is, is Jack Easterby calling the shots, and that that continues to pose the question: Is any players who don't want to do it Jack Easterby's way? or um, don't want to buy into his culture, mysticism, or whatever he's doing there, uh, those are the guys that tend to be on the chopping block, and there's, there's some internal debate. Unfortunately, we're just, two, we're, just two, <laughs> we're just two preachers in the middle of Franklin, right. Texas, <laughs> so we don't get the inside. We're not the NFL insiders. Right. Uh, no one's texting us inside details. That's right. We're strictly uh, doing it the old-fashioned way, which is uh, following Twitter. Yes, following Twitter, the, the, great, the great site, yeah. So let's let's shift this. Let's weave this into um, into something for us as believers. You know, we've we've lived in a in a COVID world for over a year now. You know, things have been crazy. Um, and so, as believers, like, where do we go from here in this COVID world? Well, I think there is so much similarity here between kind of what you and me are talking about and how we often approach uh, our life. Mm -hmm and maybe more so now in this COVID era than ever before, is that we want to figure it out. We want to know now. We want breaking news to know now. We want to see the plan now. The Texans are in this mess because they wanted a championship now. They wanted instant fulfillment. And Bill O'Brien thought, well, we could shortcut here, get a tackle, whatever it may be. Right. And, and so often that's what people want. I want to know now. And so when a season of waiting comes in, season of uncertainty comes in certainly 
every question you ask today, we don't know the answer to. Right. We're speculating. But the fact of the matter is that when it comes to our faith and when it comes to tomorrow and what tomorrow brings, we're, we don't have to speculate at all. Christ already knows that. And what becomes really, really hard as I think about Jesus' words in Matthew 6, as he's just talking about worry, you know, very famously says, you know, don't worry about what will we eat or what will we drink or, or what will we wear the the Gentiles eagerly seek those things, but your heavenly father knows that you need these things. And he tells them, seek first the kingdom of God. And so instead of trying to run and find the answers, instead of trying to run and, and, uh, and, and, and say, Hey, I need God, I need to know right now. I, I need to have it all figured out right now. It needs to make sense right now. Or, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm using my, my, my mental savvy to, to troubleshoot these things because I can't wait for God to do it. Um, I think we, we forget that he's firmly in control. He's been in control since it all happened. And uh, what does make it a little different is at some point as believers had lunch with a great mentor pastor friend yesterday. And we both just remarked at some point, when are we as believers, when are we as the church going to fall on our face and say, okay, God, we can't do it. We don't have it figured out. Right. We need you and we make you our greatest priority. It doesn't mean uh, we talked about this a little bit Sunday. It doesn't mean there aren't value to other things in our lives. And certainly there's value in sports and football. And that's why we want to weave these things together. Mm -hmm. But the greatest priority in my life is Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, I'm not fearful about what tomorrow holds. I'm not fearful about how it all plays out. We're just trying to seek the Lord and to seek him first. And for somebody out there who says, man, I don't really know how this all pans out. I'll just say the Lord already does. And it may mean that your life today isn't great, but earth was never supposed to be a, a cheap knockoff of heaven. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be broken. It's supposed to be awful. And we're supposed to live desiring Christ. And so I get worked up about what the future football season hold for the Texans. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to my future, uh, when it comes to my faith, you know, I ultimately are able to rest great at night. And if you're out there today and you're worried and you're stressed uh, and you're, you're trying to figure it out, just know there's a God who's already gone before. He's already seen the way. And if you want to know today, don't seek Twitter. Don't, don't seek Fox news. Okay. Don't, don't seek Instagram. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Yes, and, and if you're listening today, um, we hope that you've enjoyed it. Um, and if you're looking for a church home, we would love to have you. Um, we have two worship services, 9 a.m. and 1030 um, on Sundays, and we would just love for you to come and to be a part of that and to see what God's doing here in our church and in our community. Um, but thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode of For What It's Worth, uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button, uh, share this episode. And if you liked it, just please leave a review. Um, that would just help us out a lot. And uh, so we just, we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we hope that you'll join us next time. This is our opinion. It's what we think. And we hope it's a value to you for what it's worth. We'll see you next time.